0: Up this morning with the sun down shining in oh. Where's the money, Lebowski?
1: Where's the money, you oh, it's, uh, oh, oh, It's down there somewhere. Let me take another look. Found my mind in a brown paper bag within 106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit a trip. Down a cloud and fell eight miles high I, I tore my man, on a jagged sky okay you know you guys aren't privy to all the news so uh you know that's what you uh that's what you pay me for I just dropped in to see what condition my condition was in Illinois Nazis I hate Illinois Nazis yeah let's cut to the chase okay what are you guys selling? I lost you $60,000. There is no one who wants to make that money back for you more than I do.
2: There's just one thing, dude. What's that? You have to use so many cuss words. What the f*** are you talking about?
3: Don't worry,
4: nobody's listening anyway. I woke
0: up this morning with the sun down.
3: Well, I'm and I've got a great staff on the board. SB Futures up 19. NZ Futures up 127. That's news for the week. Uh, we'll see if we stay up there. Do we have a uh, Lou or is he in Davos?
2: No, I'm. Like uh, couldn't. It was so cold here. Couldn't get the. Couldn't get the private jet cranked up to uh, to fly out of there. So I. I just decided to uh, to watch on YouTube, including a very entertaining presentation by the president of Argentina.
3: That's so what Greg was just talking about. Uh, don't you hate it when the when the private jet doesn't start? What a pain in the I, ass it is! I,
2: I, I it, it is a it is a problem, and you know you just you just can't get you know the good maintenance guys like you like you used to be able to do. So of
3: course you're you're driving a 1952 Lear, but still,
2: <laughs> you got some guy out there with a stick whacking on the prop. Yeah, it's a <laughs> to, uh, to get it. Hey, buddy, to buddy it just to get
3: this thing rolling, uh.
2: So, so just uh, which which then I'm, I'm because I'm rabbit holing this morning and and randomly thinking um, there are these devices that we used on uh, b-52s when I was when I was in sac that sat on the on the inside of the b-52 engine on the inlet side and they, they put in there they and they were they called them shotgun cartridges because that's what they looked like this giant shotgun cartridges and what they were were um, rocket motors small rocket motors and in on alert when you when you have to quick start the engines and, and those bombers nuclear armed bombers at every sack base during during the height of the Cold War were expected to be airborne within 15 minutes so you would get a phone call hey here come the missiles um, and those bombers and tankers uh, typically there were eight aircraft we we're supposed to be airborne in 15 minutes so to quick start those engines they would as the crews ran out to the to the aircraft the maintenance guys would activate these rocket engines on the inside of these engines and the the exhaust from the engine would spin the turbine blades up to the point where you could you could you could start the engine you know you get enough of an airflow through there and then and then hit hit the igniter that would pull the fuel out and and the turbojet would ignite and and it's a turbofan now and but I mean if you ever watch um an alert start a a scramble start on those aircraft you'll see these big clouds of smoke around the around the B-52's and I think the kc one thirty five. Did you have to do it on every single
3: one? every Uh, single engine?
2: No no they would start they just had to get one engine once you get one engine started that provided you with enough electrical power to turn the to turn the uh, cranks on the other engines um, well, what, how, how, did, how did of you smoke? You'll see these clouds of smoke coming around, in the, coming out of the bombers, and it all looked like they were on fire, but they they weren't. It was these engines. Well, how firing.
3: did you do a, a non panic start? Did you just wheel power out there, or what?
2: Oh, in emergency, yeah, you just you had a power cart. But in mean, a non emergency, just uh, just yeah, that you that you plugged in, and it would it would provide electricity to turn the it would provide the, the electricity to turn the engine, but but you know in a hurry. That's what you did and
3: uh, well you were like Rock, a... you were like Rock Hudson in the movie That was its Strategic Air Command right
2: that's it That's exactly right. I I was only involved the aircraft I flew we did not uh, thank God we did not pull alert you know alert was seven days with your crew in the alert facility away from what like, family whatever and they would activate they would activate the uh, cla- It was called a klaxon and you would, you would hear the word on the radio, klaxon, 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 and this, you know, these alarms would go off all over the installation. And, uh, you know, as soon as that happened, all kinds of things on a SAC base were, were designed to facilitate, uh, getting the crews to the aircraft. So, you know, sometimes the, these guys, they were, not they were not, they were only allowed within very specific areas of, of the base and that did not include base housing. Um, they could go to the BX or the commissary, they could go to the, the hospital or the clinic, but every time one of these exercises started, you you see these flashing lights all over the base and you'd see these guys running out to their, their vehicles. They typically were all in a pickup truck, running out to their pickup truck, jumping in and taking off. And when that happened, all the all the lights on the base, you know, the stop lights and traffic lights and everything else, all lined up to provide immediate access for these guys and they had priority in those trucks they had priority over everything during even during training exercises you know ambulances staff cars what you know mothers taking babies to you know whatever you you had to pull over because these vehicles were. Well, what did they have they have
3: emergency lights yeah oh okay. yeah
2: and 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 you knew there was, as I said, you knew there was an alert going on on the base because lights would start flashing over traffic intersections, and you'd hear the you'd hear the uh, the sirens going. What off if you we were, were at the bar? Guy. You wouldn't. You wouldn't be at the bar. Well, somebody's at the uh, bar sometime. Nope not not during that week of. Oh, away. not
3: not during the week. Okay.
2: Yeah. So so you were you were in there, and and I mean. Because it was a scramble to get those aircraft off, there are all kinds of. I mean, every one of my my friends who pull who did this. Uh, I only did it once. Uh, every one of my friends who did this for a living. That you know, you have all kinds of entertaining stories about guys. You know, being in the shower when the thing goes off and having to run out and basically, you know, put their clothes on soaking wet, get into the flight suit and and you know get out to the get out to the aircraft. Um, or, or, or guys that would be. You know, there'd there'd always be some guy, you know, who, who said, yeah, they're not going to blow an alert at this point. I'm going to go run an errand, you know, by myself in the company, in the truck. And, uh, you know, the, the klaxon would go off and you'd have everybody but the pilot arrive at the aircraft on time. I mean, it was it. Were they, were they all fully fueled up, ready to go? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. They were, they, and, and, and armed with nuclear weapons.
3: What the, what's it like riding in one of those things? Are they very pressurized?
2: A truck or, a, or the bomber? The bomber. Um, it's as I said. I only did this once. It is. It is quite the ride. Um, they take off at fifteen-second intervals. You know. The, you know, If you ever watch the movie, Strategic Air Command, and those bombers yeah. are going off every fifteen seconds, that that's exactly what it looks like. Um, you're you're supposed to take off every fifteen seconds. So by the time the second or third aircraft gets gets lined up. You know there are there are two, sometimes three airplanes on the active runway, all going full bore down to, to the end of the runway. To oh, so off. one
3: guy, one guy's one guy's not off the ground; the other guy's already starting.
2: Oh, oh, you've got as I said, you'll have a guy on the runway just getting ready to lift off, and you'll have two other aircraft that are actually rolling on the runway mm-hmm. behind him. And, and there's so much smoke from the jet engines that you can't see clearly. So if, if somebody decides to, I mean, I mean. There are instructions on this. If you had an aborted takeoff on an alert mission, you you crashed the aircraft. You know, you didn't you didn't stop it on the you didn't stop it on the runway. You you ran the airplane off the side of the runway to let the other aircraft get off. Mm. Yeah, there. I mean, I mean, all kinds of all kinds of interesting little decisions that have to be made, and everything everything goes to one um, you know one end goal, and that is get the get the nuclear weapons into the air on their way to you know the tanker refueling spot or whatever um fail safe talked about fail safe points um there 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 are no i mean there there wasn't anything like that there were there were spots on a route that you knew you were going to execute that you know, you would get uh, positive control. The aircraft are launched under what's called positive control so they could be recalled at any time. Is it
3: still like this or no? Um,
2: we don't maintain alert bombers anymore and I don't know I haven't I, I mean you wouldn't have that kind of thing going on now. Um, the the and part of it is because our missile accuracy with submarines and, and ICBMs has gotten has gotten so much better. But
3: once the last time um, we, we shut off one of these ICBMs, they got to be in the ground
2: eighty years. Uh, well, we don't launch them out of the silos, but I, you know, every I think every six months they take a missile out of a silo somewhere and they take it down to California and they launch it from Vandenberg. Yeah. So, so they, they, so they, they know they,
3: they still work, allegedly.
2: Yeah, they they test them. Um, the uh, but, but anyway, the the bombers. Um, if you if you ever want to see something impressive, every now and then some SAC base will, or some air combat command base now will will do a, a minimum interval takeoff just to just to practice it, and uh, it's a it's a very impressive thing. You know, and they won't launch. They won't launch. You know, everybody. They'll they'll launch. You know, four or five aircraft. Well,
3: just how many B 52s are even able to go airborne now? Is it still hundred
2: uh i don't know what it i don't know what it is but i mean it's at least 100 i think but it's not like it was i oh no 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 and and we've got we've got what 20 b2 bombers and uh we're, we're gradually retiring the uh the b1 we just lost one of those up at ellsworth um so they yeah, were never I mean, they were
3: never used for anything and now we're retiring them the b1s yeah
2: no we we used them a lot in, in afghanistan and uh, in iraq
3: okay i thought they, they never they, they never... did a
2: they were they and the b52s but the b1s the b1s were were highly valued because they have a huge bomb load and and because of the, the way the wing is they can you know they can flex that wing take off and then and then loiter um, because they're well, why are they retu- why are they returning and redoing the b52s Be- because because they're not stealthy enough and they're expensive to maintain and even though they give us a very flexible and i think necessary uh element to a to an you know an air force uh the assessment is that a b-52 which we are apparently going to keep flying for almost 100 years yeah uh the b-52 is is capable of doing what we want it to do and you know this this goes back to a a philosophy that I first heard expressed when I was a cadet at the academy. You know, the, the idea of intercepting the Soviets had just rolled out a, a Mach 3-plus fighter, the Foxbat, and they were doing all kinds of scary things with their aviation technology. And one of my instructors, we were, and we were talking about how expensive it was going to be to make a fighter that could fly at that speed, and one of my instructors said, this is ridiculous. We don't need to shoot down an airplane going Mach 3.2 I don't need another airplane going Mach 3.2. I need a missile that goes Mach 3.2. Those are a lot cheaper to design, a lot cheaper to fly, and, and we, can, we can make up that difference with technology. And that's what's happening with, with bombers. The, the weapons that they're dropping, you know, the bomber used, used to have to fly over the target. It doesn't, doesn't have to do that anymore. Uh, the weapons that it carries can, can are either under their own power or glide, can glide, for you know, a couple of dozen miles if if they're gliding, uh, hundreds of miles if they're if they're uh, jet powered, and they're and they're brilliant. They can they can recognize targets, uh, you know, be programmed in. They can be programmed to avoid you know air defenses, a um, bunch of things like that. So uh, the need the need for a penetrating bomber. And, and, and we need one, but the, the, the way a penetrating bomber works and the, the need for it has, has changed dramatically.
3: Well, I just, uh, I'm not all into this uh, super, well, the super technology stuff because uh, the idea that, that, you know, we have a certain amount of planes, but oh, by the way, they're all spectacular, that totally gets negated if if, if the enemies. Kind of get together and have about five different hotspots because then you've got nothing for
2: anything. Well, and that's and that's that's the the logic and, and the, the way that we look at these things. I mean, when when the Air Force was buying a new tanker, which which was a disaster.
3: What do you mean? It took four um, years of bidding until we finally got
2: Boeing to it, get the it, bid right. It took a lot longer than that. But, um, I mean, how many well, times Boeing did Boeing rigged, lose before they yeah, before Boeing, they won? Boeing, Boeing, Boeing rigged one of the. It, it, one a Boeing official, as it turned out, bribed uh, her way into uh, fixing one of the initial bids. But anyway... But it was
3: all her. No board, no president, no nothing. It was all her. She took this all on her own. Anybody believes that, i got a bridge for you.
2: Oh, I believe it. She was a... She was a, If you read the report, the GAO report on what happened, but regardless, when they were buying a tanker, the Airbus tanker was bigger and it held more fuel, could refuel more aircraft, and, and you know, you would think that okay, well, if it's a flying gas station, you want you want as much gas up there as you as you can get, and and this this one would be the obvious choice. But it wasn't the obvious choice. It was it was actually a smaller aircraft that we could buy more of, and because we had to buy more of them to do exactly what you just referenced, and that is cover a wide area. You know, that the flying gas station has to get. You know to the to the hot spots and if you've got a lot of hot spots you need more of them they don't necessarily have to carry speaking
3: of 100 years those things are still running right the the 130
2: KCs, yeah yeah so many cases there's 707 there's 707s for god's sake yes yes they are and that is why i told you 10 years ago start investing in defense because because that's where we we, we are going to have to get into an upgrade across the board um uh, Ukraine and Yemen, and uh, and uh, Gaza, and and now, God help us, Pakistan and Iran. Yeah, uh, you know that. So 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 uh, this revolves me to something I wanted to talk about this morning. Again, rabbit holing. Um, you know, in, in terms of this presidential campaign, I, because of my my background, I I tend to look at foreign affairs more closely than I do domestic politics and because in the great in the words of I believe it was John Kennedy talking to one of his advisors guys if we if we screw up domestic policy we won't get we won't get reelected but if we screw up foreign affairs we all get killed um, I I tend to look at foreign affairs just because it directly in, impacted a significant portion of my you know my professional life the the things that are going on right now in Central Asia and and you know the Middle East are are just I, I can't imagine any more state destabilizing activities. Well,
3: it's, a, it's almost, a, it's almost a,
2: all of them undertaken by one country. It's it's crazy.
3: But it's also um, economically driven. The entire area is is economic has got nothing but economic problems, including Iran, by the way including China
2: I I I agree so so explain to me explain if you're Iran Iran and you are sponsoring terrorist heavy-duty terrorist operations in Yemen Gaza the West Bank Syria and Lebanon all of your proxies are out there and everybody knows it's you you then decide your revolutionary guard maniacs then decide that they're gonna launch direct attacks on uh, Iraqi an Iraqi city nearby, uh, damaging and, and almost hitting the U.S. embassy there, the U.S. embassy compound there, A direct attack from um, with ballistic missiles from your territory into Iraq. On this,
3: how good are these missiles, then, by the way?
2: Well, I mean, at least two of them fell short and landed, you know, somewhere else in this city. You do that to kill apparently to kill this this billionaire businessman there in, in Iraq. You, you then fire ballistic missiles into Pakistan. A nuclear-armed neighbor who, whose Muslim population is theologically adverse to yours, you fire ballistic missiles Pakistan, into, into Pakistan.
3: <clears throat> Pakistan is uh, Sunni? Uh, uh,
2: yes. Okay. You fire ballistic missiles into Pakistan, which, you know, I mean, the Pakistanis, they're, they're, they're not us. You know, they're going to launch attacks right back in. So now you've got, so if you're, I'm trying to figure out what, if you're Iran, what's the upside? I mean, I can see the upside of destabilizing Yemen and shutting down the,
3: now, whenever the I ask something like this, you say to me, you just don't think like these guys.
2: Well, I'm trying to think like them. How's, how's, that how's that working out? How's that working out? very, well, I mean, I understand exactly what they're doing in the Middle East. I, I'm not clear why they would attack Pakistan. And why would open up, why on, on your border, why you open up conflict with, you know, your belligerent neighbor?
3: Yet another front. It's, it's a bizarre. Yes.
2: Yeah. And, and so I'm, I'm just looking at this thinking, <laughs> okay, you know, they're not stupid. What are they doing? And, and so I'm not. But they're not I'm rational not saying, either. Well, I mean, look what yeah.
3: they're doing to their own population.
2: They're not, they're not rational. They're not rational by our standards, but, but they're a theocracy. Chief, and and so their their government and their government goals are driven in, in to a certain extent by religious fervor that you and I don't don't get. I mean, I, I mean
3: I'm going to say the, the internal that, the, that internal, level, wars,
2: the, the it, internal wars of Islam are are almost incomprehensible. I mean, they're right up there. It, it's it's like imagining um, imagining you know the Lutheran Church. The Catholic Church and uh, the Methodists, the Methodist Church, all hating each other. I don't mean just you know having theological disagreements, but hating each other to the extent that they would attack and kill each other if they if they see you on the street. I,
3: I've always been a, a proponent, not a proponent, but somebody who believes. As a matter of fact, <clears throat> talk about a weirdo story. Um, St. Bernadette's was, was, uh, well, uh, we grew up in St. John Fisher, but we moved to St. Bernadette's and we'd go to church up there when the parents could corral me. And uh, they had this visiting priest uh, that actually, you know, normally the priest gets up there and there's, you know, there's little kids and everybody in in a church. So the the homilies were, sermons, whatever you want to call them, were pretty much milk toast because they were just designed to, you know, whatever, you know, behave this week, basically. And that was it. Now, if you went to, if you went to a sermon at, at the Notre Dame Cathedral, it's a whole different story. It's a guy sure. who's been working on it for like you know a week. Well, this this guy shows up at St. Bernard, gives kind of one of those sermons, and one of his his lines was, uh, "More wars have been fought, more economic wars have been fought in the names of religion than any other kind." The place <laughs> didn't know didn't know what to make of this dude. He was like gone the next week. But he was absolutely correct. I mean, the the, the Muslim religion was was known was you go back to the, the year of the catastrophe four sixty something, whatever it was, when the Earth went cold when the, when the, what something hit here and the, the Earth went cold for a decade. The, the
2: like six six ten or something well, like some, that, somewhere the, in there the tambora, five something yeah. The Tambora yeah, eruptions yeah yeah
3: something when, no actually something hit here. I thought it was a late four whatever, but it was a it's a book that the guy wrote catastrophe.
2: Yeah, I a, thought it was a volcanic eruption, but anyway, go ahead whatever. So
3: the so the um. The Muslim religion has always been one, well, you, you use religion to take property. And, and for a while, the Catholic religion did some of that. Well, obviously, the uh, the Ottoman Empire did it for sure, right? But it was always because of religion, they went and stole your stuff. And there, I, don't, I don't think there's really any difference mentally <clears throat> Excuse me between the guy running Iran using religion for whatever and Hitler using the Aryan race forever I mean it, it's, it's all it's all about stealing stuff from people and you, and you try and justify it the best way you can I think
2: well it, it, it and again I, I I think that's I think that's a little simplistic Don't, well, I, mean, I, I, I try and write a book there I'm just saying you, you it, can't you can't discount you can't discount the role of theology and, and ideology in this now by getting people
3: to, by getting people to fight, you're correct. Now, whether the guy up top could give a rat's ass about his own religion, or just wants power, that that's what I'm talking about.
2: Um, okay, so so I'm gonna put this co- in a, a slightly different context, to one I'm I'm more familiar with, and that is that is the Soviet Union. We a, a significant part of of American. Political science analysis of of the USSR roll circled around the idea that Soviet leadership were just were just fascists. They were just dictators, and and they really they really didn't believe in Marxism or Marx Leninism or any of this other stuff. This was just a cover, as you would as you would say a cover. Well,
3: for Stalin, I would believe that for sure. For them
2: to aggrandize. But, but what comes out of, what's come out, what came out of the Soviet Union when the, when the government fell in 1991 in uh, is a, a lot of scholarship that says these guys actually were true believers in Marxism. They actually talk in their, in their papers, in their meetings, whatever, about, about Marx-Leninism and, and the, the, the ideology that they expressed publicly. In, in Pravda and Niziestia and, and and places like that they actually believed and and it it explains a lot if once you sit down and and look at the way they thought politics actually worked according to, to Marx and according to as refined by by Lenin and and it again it it's it is effectively a religious belief it's based on faith it's based on a particular, a particular ideology or a particular worldview that that isn't necessarily rational. Now, if you believe that fundamentally, then then it makes it a little bit easier for you to, you know, be acquisitive and aggrandizing and and you know consolidate power for your own benefit because you've got a religious, a quasi-religious structure that justifies your actions. But but at the core the motivation was this, you know, capitalist versus socialist class. Yeah, except except Lenin,
3: right before he died, actually turned the
2: other way. Well, the, he, he did temporarily, yeah. under the new economic policy. Yeah. That's absolutely right. And, and you know, they, they, they were tweaking it and fine-tuning it. Uh, the, the Soviet Union tolerated uh, a significant amount of capitalism within its system. On their on their black markets because, they rec- the leadership recognized this was the only way that that certain things were going to get produced in sufficient numbers to feed their pop. For example, to feed their populations. <laughs> well, so you know we
3: got we got to break here, but then otherwise you end up with when you when you pay people for nails by weight, the only thing you get is railroad spikes.
2: Yes. Yeah. Exactly. And
3: that's a problem. <laughs> You're not going right. to get what do they call them, Little finishing or, nails, or right?
2: or if you or if you pay them by by number of nails, you get you get as you noted finishing nails and skinny nails that don't work.
3: You know, you know the story about the uh, before we go to break here, real quick. Story about the Canadian hockey team that went over there. The original... No, but
2: I've got my you know you've heard my toilet seat story. So let's hear the Canadian. Well, hockey they team
3: the, story. Uh, the the first before we went over there for anything. You know, when, when the Cold War, the Canadian hockey team went over there and played the Red Army team. And, uh, so the guys in, uh, in Canada, were absolutely convinced, you know, Hey, ho, is there we're absolutely convinced they're being bugged, right? They were. Well, probably were. So the, uh, the, another thing they sold by weight and that by volume was chandeliers. So, you know, when you hang an electrical fixture in your house or anybody does, as long as you've somewhat reinforce the ceiling backs, you can hang the, the fixture there, right?
2: Sure. Sure, uh, but the uh, Russians don't do things like that. No,
3: well, the, the things were so heavy that they had to have a brace that actually spread out on the floor above it with bolts and a, and a you know, so because the thing was so heavy, it needed like a, a four pronged steel essentially base on the floor, not not just the you know. With yeah, the and, and they
2: didn't, and they didn't recess the bolts. Right, the so there's the, you'd feel the lump under the carpet as you walked around. Well,
3: one of the Canadian guys was convinced that that was the bug. So he starts unscrewing the thing. All of a sudden, he hears this huge crash in the hotel room below him. <laughs> and oops! Say, say, Hoser, that didn't go off too well. It, it, I guess they stopped doing it after one guy crashed the thing. But I'm just, just, just saying, stuff happens. Now, are, are you as disappointed in Greg as I am that we do not have press passes to Davos?
2: I, I cannot imagine a place where I would fit in less.
3: We would love it, Lou. We'd go sit at the bar and listen to these, these guys that come and sit between us, and we'd just talk to them, and then we'd take notes, and we'd have show material forever with the uh, the, the elites.
2: I'd love to talk to those guys, just to see how goofy they I really are. It's not, it's not a party for me to walk around in a continuous state of nausea, which is what would happen.
3: I, you know, some of the stuff people say, I would uh, actually, as much as I'm a, not a fan of Iran... Um, the Iranian official yesterday who said it's a mistake for America to blindly follow Netanyahu, I'm, I'm in that camp. I'm, I'm major supportive of Israel. I'm not so supportive of that guy. I didn't like him 10 years ago. I still don't like him.
2: Well, yeah, unfortunately, he's the guy you got.
3: I know, but I'm saying everything he thinks is right, I'm not going to follow if I'm president here. I think they think they've done their their stuff, and, and they got to stop killing people over there.
2: No, I think they they haven't killed enough people. Okay, quite well, frankly.
3: all right. Well, they're not killing.
2: there's thousands. There's thousands of people they still need to kill over there. Okay,
3: but you can't kill hundred thousand getting to them, and they're, that's what's uh, happening.
2: Uh, you know, Hamas uh, is. I don't hold Israel accountable for any of that stuff. All Hamas has to do is surrender and turn the hostages back,
3: um, and
2: and it stops.
3: Maybe. Oh. Huh? I mean, uh, I don't know. We'll, hopefully we'll, hopefully that will happen, and you'll be right. And you know, you know, I'd love to see it. SP Futures up 21. if Futures up 144. Trying to come back from two days down. We'll see if we do. Be right back, Stocks and Jacks.
1: How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox.
5: Stocks, jocks, jocks, stocks, and jocks.
3: You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello, and jocks. I'm Tom Alvarez, Greg Pappas on the board, uh, who did not get us press passes to Davos. Um, I wonder how much those cost. You know, Greg, it's 52 grand if you are invited to begin the World Economic Forum, and if you're in, then it's another nineteen grand to go to the
5: conference. I'd like to see some track records from their economic predictions. Oh,
3: well, well, probably zero. <laughs> in, individual stocks in the Dow: Apple up three fifty-nine. Apple's been getting trounced, but not today. Bounced back. Boeing uh, coming back too. It traded under two hundred now. It's two hundred five twenty. I'm gonna ask Lou about that plane a uh, little bit. You know, we got Caterpillar, which got destroyed yesterday. It's up one seventy-seven. It's probably. A third of the way back there, maybe 40% back. So we've got some stocks that have gotten hammered, bouncing this morning. Um, hopefully it'll stay that way. Uh, over in Europe, we have the uh, DAX. Now these guys got clobbered yesterday, but they're up today. DAX up 127.8%. A FTSE up 20.3%. Those guys were down like 2% yesterday, so that's not much of a bounce there. Over to Kakran, up 74 That's That's a full 1%. So watches of Switzerland is down 30% uh, today. Or who the hell those guys are, but they, they, I'm thinking they make watches, just, just saying. Over in Asia, Nikki down 11, call that flat. Hang Seng, finally, we're an update up 114.7%, but still 15,391. Shanghai up 12,2845. I didn't think these guys would go below 3,000. I surely didn't think they go below 2,900, and here they are, 28,45. Uh, yesterday was a day of review. Dow was down 94, S&P down 26, NASDAQ down 88. Uh, bonds. Uh, 10-year down up one basis point, but still 409. That's that's kind of the cause of all this. Uh, The Bund, unchanged at 227. Japan up four basis points, 0.65, and that's a big move for those guys. Uh, Oil, uh, up 5 cents, 72.61, so right back in the range. Brent down 9 cents, 77.79. Natural gas unchanged, 286. Uh, Arbob, excuse me, I guess it's warming up countrywide. Arbob unchanged at 212. We have gold, which is getting clobbered. Actually, a little bit of a dead cat bouncer today. Up 12.70, 2019 silver up a dime, 22.77. Copper unchanged, 3.73. We have Bitcoin down 298, 42,386, and the dollar, which has been all over the place, is virtually unchanged today. With the euro at 108.8, and the British pound 126.8. There you go, Greg. What do you got for us traveling Weather sports?
5: Morning, everyone. 641 here in Chicago. 19 degrees right now, 25 today, uh, maybe a little bit of morning snow. Cold in Phoenix, 47 right now. Uh, It should warm up to about 75. Sunny and beautiful in the forecast there. Traffic inbound Kennedy from Montrose, 12 minutes. From Lake Cook, 27 minutes. From Wolf, 23 minutes, 95 to the interchange is 19 minutes. Um... And 294 to the Ryan is 24 minutes on the Stevenson. Hawks and Sabres were postponed last night. We got that tonight. MLB, White Sox supposedly in serious talks with the city to build a new stadium in the 78th. Uh, well, <laughs> that was reported by the Why do they
3: need a new stadium? I think that's pretty nice.
5: I don't know. Sun Times said that Johnson and Reinsdorf met about that, so we'll see if that goes anywhere. And men's college basketball, DePaul was obliterated by Providence by about 40 and Northwestern beat Maryland at home and that's all I got Chief back to you.
3: Um, for those when I, when I say stuff excuse me for one Lula interject some economics here. When I say stuff like the 10 year note is causing the problem with the market and people ah, what the hell is that guy talking about if you can do any kind of, a, of theory on valuation if you, if you look at a, a stream of payments of $1000 a year for the rest of your life at three point eight percent that's worth twenty six thousand three hundred bucks that's what you would pay for it if that's what you're looking to do three point eight percent but if you raise that rate to four point two the value of the stream of payment is only twenty three point eight which is roughly eight percent so if you see your ten-year rate or your thirty-year rate go up four basis points like that and you see the market drop five six seven percent it's doing exactly what it's supposed to do, even though in this day and age nobody believes any of this stuff and does does not get the correlation. There is a correlation. Just saying. So Lua,
2: I've, all, I've always I've always thought there was.
3: <laughs> um, not today. It's going to okay. split. It's going to do this. It's going to do that. What's the difference? The Fed's going to come and rate. One has nothing to do with the other in today's world. But anyway, hey. uh... What do, you, what do you make of this bowling? You thing? want to
2: go back? You want to go back with what you finished with about the fact that you think the Israelis have to stop killing people?
3: Uh, at some point, when, when people say stuff like "We're not going to stop until we obliterate the movement," out of all the, the people in the world that realize killing people does not obliterate an idea, it should be the Israelis.
2: Um, well, they're not, but but they're going after a specific group of people that are located in a very specific area, and and. You know, when he says they're going to obliterate it, I don't mean they. I don't think they mean they're going to eliminate every last person who thinks this way. I think what they say is we're going said. to eliminate this group as a factor that we have to be concerned with.
3: Okay, I, I'm saying, but the, the 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 collateral damage they don't seem to think is a problem. The rest of the world does.
2: It it the collateral damage is terrible, but it's not their fault. It's the fault of oh, the, it's, their it's, their the fault of Hamas. it's their bullet. us. It's their bullet. It, it doesn't matter they, it would be one. it would be completely different if they had initiated this attack, but they didn't I,
3: I I understand that, but I'm saying and I understand the military part, and I'm glad we have people. Mike Murphy has the exact same view you do being in the army guy, but there aren't there's a lot of people in the world that say if if your billet killed somebody, you can't blame it on somebody else. I'm just saying it whether they're well, right or wrong there
2: there are a lot of there are a lot of people that are anti-Semites who I'm not are looking I know you're not. But who are looking at this as an opportunity to to attack Judaism and Jews and and frankly the West, which I think is yeah, probably I the more likely cause here. But and you can and be, they, they they support this stuff. You this can be is, a
3: fan of you can be a fan of Judaism, which I am, and not be a fan of Zionism.
2: Well, I I disagree because I think that when you say that every every anti-Zionist that I know ultimately devolves into anti-semitism and that's just the way it, that's just the way it seems to work out I I, I'm, I, understand I, I would it. love I would love to hear I would love to hear some discussions about this but it you know that that are able to make the differentiation when you get down to when you get down to the margin but but I have yet to I have yet to see it
3: I, I, just, what I mean,
2: Israel what Israel is doing and and you know if the shoe were on the if the shoe were on our foot, we would be stomping that place flat. We, we had no qualms about doing that in Iraq uh, against people who weren't even involved in 9-11. We had no qualms about doing that in you think, Iraq. You think, some,
3: no... you think somebody's actually going to ever write a book about that, that the 17 of the 20 people from, from Saudi, and we, we attack two other countries?
2: Well, uh, I, I'm, uh, somebody's written a book about it. But my point, my point is this. Israel is justified in what it's doing. It's exercising reasonable care in the way it's putting in the targets. The the moral how, 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 do you, evil, how do you know they are how do you know they are? Because because they're engaging in they're engaging in conduct that is actually inimical to their interests in terms of combat. They're warning people to get out of neighborhoods. They they send a knock bomb before they before they take down a building. But
3: where are they gonna they go? They
2: haven't they're not they're not engaged in total warfare in Gaza.
3: I, I understand but I'm saying but where are they gonna go? I mean it's a, it's a question, by the way, I, I, if they knocked off every single person who created, who did the thing in October, and all the people who planned it, and every single buddy in Hamas, if they rounded them all up and shot them, I honestly would think that's absolutely their right. But I, I, mean, I, didn't, I didn't like uh, our guy, Rumsfeld, Mr. Neocon, when somebody would say, yeah, but like 50 other people got killed and he would and say they shouldn't have been on that block. Well... I'm not in that camp. I, I'd have, I'd be okay. the guy well, who's I mean, on the block. I
2: mean, I mean, in that case, in that case, then you reinforce Hamas when you say, "Okay, they can act like this. They can attack a sovereign nation. They can kill 1,200 of its of its citizens, it wound hundreds more, kidnap their people, torture them, put them up on video being tortured." I those people, then, like I said, and I what it, say, and then you say, then you say, we're going to let you get away with it. Because you you're hiding behind the skirts of your women okay, well, and the bodies of your children. All right, we
3: we had looters always a middle ground. Mm-hmm. We had we had the issue with Saddam Hussein invading. See, uh, see
2: and again, that's your Western. No, it's that I mean that, that's it, your Western. Outlook. Okay, so there is, and, no, and, there is no middle ground for these people.
3: Okay, so Iraq invaded.
2: Kuwait. That's why. That's why. That's why the. That's why the conflict is still going on. Okay, that's, Israel has Israel, they, so they, Israel has tried to accommodate you this.
3: But you, so you'd be a, you'd be one of the, as a human resources guy, you'd be one of those people would say, uh, the beatings will continue until morale improves.
2: No, I would I would say, here is the option you have to continue with this company. If you don't want to take it, then leave. Every and if
3: okay, so just tell me how wrong Bush and uh who is the guy? I'll, I'll think of his name. When, when uh, Iraq attacked Kuwait, of course Saddam Hussein couldn't control any of his people. So the issue the, the videos, well, there were so many videos back then, the stories of rape and God knows what else they did to the Kuwaiti people, and it supposedly was over two miles of oil, right, which is total BS probably. So they, all that stuff happened, and all of a sudden we get over there, and we start kicking ass. Why did we stop? Why, why, didn't, we, why didn't we kill every single Iraqi?
2: well because first of all the iraqis were not embedded with their civilian population as a defense but we stopped was, early bush said that's part enough bush said that's enough we've killed enough well people. we didn't we, we uh, what does that have to do with what israel's doing
3: i'm saying there. his this i can disagree with his guys this guy's view of what's enough cuz you know it doesn't make me anti-jewish doesn't make me anything i think he's i think he's there and and then there need to be some kind of an international group that says, "Get the hostages back." What the hell? I mean, right now it's time for a third party in here. I think.
2: Uh, um, no. All right. Well, I no, mean, I don't. I don't think. We, we, I don't think we, third we, parties. We, again, you, you're you're operating on a Western. We can. We, I don't. You're operating. Don't, you're operating on the Donald Trump syndrome. I. I. I don't. Says we can always make a deal. No, you're I'm not. a Classic mercantilist, and there's nothing wrong with that. I, I, That's I, your worldview.
3: I think. This guy, yeah, is the wrong person to make this call. I never trusted the you man. Know, you know, was, I mean, Hamas. should have. He he got in. The about before, okay, he Hamas got in by the skin of his Okay, but he got in by the skin of his before they attacked him. <laughs> Whatever. Okay, but I'm just saying, this man's view of morality doesn't have to be mine. Rumsfeld's wasn't no, mine. No,
2: and and you uh, you, you are, uh, Tom. Your, your opinion. There's lots of people that share your opinion. They they just. You know, they just happen to be wrong. I
3: just okay. So, how much is enough? Whenever he feels like stopping,
2: who made him that? No, uh, how much? Uh, it's it will be a uh, short answer. It, it's when his war cabinet tells him it's they're done. It's when it's when. Have you ever heard any they, of those guys talk? It's when they have they have gotten to the point where they are comfortable with the end result in Gaza and with their control over Gaza and and their uh, control with uh, you know dealing with. With what's left of Hamas, I mean, I mean, Tom, if they wanted to, and if they were, if they were so inclined, they could, they could level that whole area in a matter of days. Okay. Well, if they wanted to, they could, they could destroy the we, infrastructure we, there. We could, we could have just, that it would,
3: we could have just nuked Iraq too, the whole place.
2: Well, I mean, I mean, we, we. That's why I'm saying. They're not engaging in any kind of criminal activity, or illegal activity, or even immoral activity in terms of the conduct of war.
3: I'll tell you. I'll tell you what. One thing I've read about enough on war and nowhere there as much as you is, is the people who in, in the war. The guys, the guys with the bigger guns, get to define the rules.
2: Not always. The, Isra- the, the Israelis are playing. The Israelis are playing by international legal rules, whether people like it or not. That they are and and so they didn't and they didn't define those
3: all right so if we get attacked by a whole bunch of mexican guys which i hope we never do we get to obliterate the whole place even even just if even 500 guys did it why not, why not find the 500 guys and whoever was behind them and who if and if, who and who and who financed them
2: if the mexican cartels launched an equivalent attack on the united states which would have, which would have resulted in the killing of i think something like 50,000 50,000 americans so, so, you know, more I, than 10 I don't I don't. I don't
3: you, however, many you kill is bad. If it's one, it's bad. But uh, I'm you, just, can't I'm extrapo- you can't extrapolate you, the, the population. I, I, yes,
2: you, yes, you can. I, yes, you I can. Don't buy murder of, if you're a government, the murder of one or two of your citizens, which the cartels have done, is not the equivalent of a wholesale attack that effectively wipes out a city. But let's just say, let's just say, the cartels attack the southern U.S. They kill fifty thousand people in a in a rampage that. That works its way through to to you know almost to the gates of Tucson and Phoenix, and, and they or and they take they they kill a bunch of people in El Paso. Um, I I guarantee you, the United States military would be in there and they would destroy whatever the cartel whatever the cartel had. And, sure. and if that involved, if the cartel was hiding among civilians, we would blow them up too.
3: I I hope we showed a little more. Anyway, I want to talk to you about this Boeing thing. Cause it's a big deal a lot of people have Boeing stack in my place and other places um Which deal about boeing the uh the story with the plane with the with the door blown off okay i uh the the idea that they're trying to push at people that somehow someplace a few people didn't screw in a few bolts tight enough Lou I don't
2: buy that i think i mean i haven't seen i maybe you have i haven't seen anything definitive that says this is exactly what happened.
3: I, I'm petrified from what, I, from what I saw at Pullman a couple times that they stretched this plane too much and there's, there's, a, there's a structural problem in the frame. And if they, and they're just going to chase it around if they, if they
2: tighten up that spot. Um, well, okay, a couple of points. First of all, a systemic problem like that should have manifested itself before now. So it's only, the it's only, planes and, and, only
3: been, the nines have only been out there how long? Six months? A year?
2: Um, I, don't, I don't know. But, but this, this design is not unique to that to that airframe.
3: But, but it's, but it's if, been if, stretched. If it, was,
2: if it was systemic, we would have seen more problems like this. And and so the fact that we've only seen it happen once doesn't uh, mean it's not such so systemic.
3: Oh, you're you're not up on this thing because United found a lot of loose bolts in their stuff too.
2: Okay, well, and, and and so so what what is that? Is that a function of design, or is it a function of manufacture? And and so and so, or is it a function of maintenance? So I, so we need you need to. I mean, I've done aircraft accident investigations and and. It, it, the obvious choice, is not always the is not always the correct one. Oh sure, so they, I agree. They with found that. they found they found loose loose stuff. Okay, great. You know, Boeing Boeing issues a tech manual with every one of these aircraft that is you know tens of thousands of pages on how to do every single thing, how to tighten every thing. Was it bad maintenance by United? Were they not following the tech manual properly? Were it was was this a, a systemic? or excuse me, was this a design issue where the way they had designed the the airframe was in in, when you put it in flight over over, you know, 1500, 2000 hours that you you see a a, a vibration or a wear pattern that causes these things to loosen up that we didn't anticipate. And that's a design issue. Is it a manufacturing issue that when we put this thing together, uh, even though we designed it properly, the, the the actual putting these parts on the aircraft was was being done improperly by by an incompetent workforce. You, you, you got to track that down. And that's I mean, that's what they're doing now. I'm so so, you know, some of that is Boeing's fault. Some of it is not. And and some of it should have been anticipated and, and some of it shouldn't have been. So I don't. You know, the answer is, I don't know. Um, their stock is going to take a hit. It already because, has, but
3: it's coming back today.
2: Yeah, because because the the short answer is, if this is a systemic issue, they're gonna with with either manufacturing or design, they're gonna have to fix it. If it's a design issue, then then you run the risk of having, you know, a whole fleet of aircraft across multiple airlines, grounded, and and taken apart.
3: Well, there aren't very many okay? of these out there? This, this this is the nine, not the eight. The one,
2: right, right. So, so, but, but still, you know, you've got, you've got huge impacts on, 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 um, airlines that are, that are using these aircraft or have ordered them. And, and the, you know, the short answer chief is this is a really good design for an airline. You know, this airframe, it, it's, it does a ton of stuff. And, and, you know, Boeing, Boeing has a reputation of making air, air, basic airframes that adapt themselves to all kinds of things. And, and so that they can move, they can, they don't like, and in any event, I'm, I'm sort of withholding judgment on it. I mean, it's, it's one of the reasons why I haven't jumped on this, this anti-DEI bandwagon that, that's trying to use Boeing as an example and saying, well, you know, they, they, they push, they push diversity hires across their entire world. Oh, workforce.
3: no, I'm not, I'm not.
2: I mean, I mean. The idea
3: know, that out of the, out of, um, you know how many parts are on a 777?
2: I, I don't. I mean, hundreds of thousands.
3: Three million. Okay. The, the uh, it's, thought it's, that I don't... Uh,
2: it's
5: it's I like six
3: million on a, on a 747 7 or you're, something.
5: You're off by the comma. I think it's 600,000 and 300,000. I'm,
3: I'm talking about 777. This thing's not a 777. Triple 777's triple a lot bigger. Anyway, the, the, the idea that out, out of all those plants, you've got some, some black or some lady sitting there and then his one spot, is not putting the bolts in tight enough. I, I don't buy that for a second. A little, I mean, yeah, come on. Well, I mean, that. I mean
2: that that's, that's possible. Um, I just see Dan has has jumped in. Um, I got a, I got a, as a, always on. Are you uh, Lately, are, You guys,
3: fourteen feet of snow in Steamboat. You guys got nothing but snow, or every place open? No,
2: Denver's Denver's clear. We had some snow. It got cold here, but uh, but no, the snow is all the snow is all west of us, and uh, just for meteorological purposes. Uh, I have a house, as I, I've told you, at ninety five hundred feet that sits on the opposite side of the Front Range here in Denver, and uh, it was it was you know ten below here. It was thirty degrees above there, almost a forty degree temperature swing, even though that place is four thousand feet higher than, wow. than we are here in Denver.
3: Well the ski and, resorts are, are, they're fat and happy, or no With snow.
2: Um, well, most of them are doing really well, but Berthoud Pass, which you have driven over on your way yeah. to uh, Winter Park, God, what a, what uh, is got? closed. Get what? an avalanche that came down and shut the pass.
3: Really? Yep. I've gone through that place probably twenty times. It's, it's quite a little uh, spin of your wheels.
2: Yep, uh, ten cars got buried. Uh, I don't think there were any fatalities, but it scared the living daylights out of people, and it's still closed. So
3: I think being buried in an avalanche might do that.
2: <laughs>
0: I will that. Uh, talk to you next. All week. right,
3: but take care of yourself. SPF is up eighteen. NZF is up one thirty-seven. Why don't you go right to Dan? Dan, you there? Sure. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, we do. That, that's all we need to know about the market. Uh, everything, everything's we're trying to bounce back from yesterday and the day before. A uh, little surprised about the interest rate move this week. Then I mean, I, I, I say that caught me by surprise. The dollar move was was vicious the other day. It was like a percent, and that's 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 you know that's not something we necessarily talk about. That's big news. Yeah,
0: I mean the the. The softness, basically, that we've seen in the equity market since the first of the year, really has to do with the, I think, the fact that last quarter, you know, fourth quarter of last year, we were seeing um, this major um, expectation that we were going to see six rate cuts this year, and, and you know that was getting, the market was getting way too far ahead of itself, and and basically, what's happened the first few weeks here of this year is, is just re, you know reality is is um, suck in. Now now people are realizing that you know maybe we get three cuts this year and not six. Um the interesting thing is going back to your comment about the interest rates, the three month T bill you can still get five and a half percent. We've been buying them at five and a half percent. So the curve has shifted a little bit from say a few months ago where the six month was the period you know was the point where you could get the five and a half. Now it's it's um three months uh, get where we're getting five and a half percent. So the yield is still there on the short end. Um, there has been volatility. In fact, not only in in the you know volatility with interest rates, um, but also volatility in the equity market that's picked up this quarter. Uh, despite the fact that I use the word stabilization from the crazy rally that we saw in the fourth quarter.
3: Well, the uh, you know you never, you never want to let. The facts getting into a good story, and I'm not saying you're telling a story, but the the odd part about the you know if the fed i don't, the guys that are doing the the six rate cuts this year should be hooked off t v because there's no way that's happening unless there's some massive dip in the economy, which I don't think the same people will say isn't going to happen so where these cuts are going to come from, I have no idea it's it just it's just yeah exactly but the thing that is um somewhat somewhat bizarre is is it, when you when you tell people okay we're going to have these six rate cuts it look it's going to it's going to rocket the market higher Im- implied in that if somebody has an ounce of brains which I'm not so sure half these people do um, if implied is that it, since the rates have gone up it's been really bad for the market we're actually up from the day they started raising rates yes so nobody nobody believes the fact that the, that the rates are going to stay at a, I'm going to say a normal rate 10 year not the not the I think the low, the short term rate could go lower but I don't know if the 10 year rates ever going to go below you know 4 down to 1.5 again I don't I don't I think that was why they ever did that in the first place I have no idea but what they did Yeah
0: and I absolutely agree with you I don't think that's the direction we're going in and I think some of the talking heads have have moved us in that direction without realizing that you know realizing that looking at at you know history and looking at where we where we are today and looking at economic uh, variables and also looking at the fact that we still have um you know issues of inflation but certainly we still have high prices and you know that the environment we're in is not necessarily a bad one um in terms of uh economic you know economically across the board but uh very unlikely that we're going to start seeing you know one and a half for example on the 10-year very unlikely that we're going to see you know this shift um occur anytime soon and what we want to see um which is what happens in a recovery mode is a positive yield curve so the short end is and that really does need to come down and that certainly will come down with the with the help of the Fed I don't think we're going to see anything happen at the Fed meeting on January 30th 31st that's coming up just in a couple weeks now I do think there's going to be more talk as the year goes on Assuming that we don't see any um, runaway um, economic news, in other words, the you know the lost CPI read last week, shortly after our call, was better than anticipated. It's good in general. People don't need to be too concerned about it. It's good in general that we're seeing a strong economy. So, so not not to be concerned, but it's not necessarily going to be impetus to start cutting rates. So we're, you know, I think there's a question. <laughs> Kind of an interesting topic and it, and it kind of dovetails with a conversation that I had with an old friend I had caught up with this past week who's been with IBM as long as I've been in the investment management business and we were comparing notes and the notes are actually quite similar. What we're seeing, uh, Chief, is very similar what the I' say I the old school in in the IT world is seeing as well uh, and my friend works for IBM. And just that there's this expectation that we're going to go from point A to point B without without the process that it takes to get from point A to point B. For example, he's working on a project and it's an old an older one of the older um, uh, transportation systems, public transportation systems in the country. Well, there are people who just want to flip their flip the switch and suddenly be at AI without going through those necessary steps to get there. So there's a lot of buzzwords out there talking about how we're gonna move to that next step. I see the same parallel in our industry. I see the same things happening in the investment world where we're saying that we're gonna see all these Fed cuts and we're gonna already be there. Well, it takes some time to get from point A to point B. It's not gonna happen overnight. We're not gonna see six, eight, 10 Fed, you know, cuts. So why anticipate that? Why put those in the market? Why not put in a plan to get from point A to point B? And I think whether it's just the fact that we're very short term focused in today's world or whether it's just the excitement about what's coming or frankly, what is what I think it's about is not really having a true understanding of what what it's going to take to get from point A to point B. So the buzzwords of AI um, and pretty much any conversation that you have, um, th- th- it's, it's good to know that we have something that we're working to- towards, but the key word is we're working towards it. It is not a switch that you flip and we're suddenly there. And as you know, Chief, and as I know very well um, from being in the market so long, we know when it's time to go through that phase of the secular cycle where it's gonna be the time for rates coming down, where it's gonna be time for moderation in the economy, we, we are absolutely not there. We're, we, we have to go through the process of getting there and that is what's gonna happen in 2024.
3: What what makes you think, and by the way, you know that uh, but it's easier for, for me to criticize your thought process when you agree with me and criticize my own. <laughs> <laughs> of course, of course. Um, I'm, I'm going I'm to say the rest of the world, most of the rest of the world, doesn't have a clue of what in the hell we're talking about. Because absolutely, it, you and I can't help, given our, our background and stuff, can't help but say there's going to be some res- there's going to be some return to what we consider to be. Normalcy. Some. Normalcy some yeah. the capital asset pricing models will again work. That if interest rates run up, the market doesn't run up; it runs down. I mean, it shouldn't run up; it should run down. You know, because your the value of your of your returns gets less and less going forward with the interest rates are higher. Um, nobody has nobody has any. If if you're an investor of the last, and there's an article I have buried somewhere because I cleaned up now. Of course, I can't find it. Then, um, a guy wrote, and I, I might have sent it to you months ago. don't think that if we go into a recession, the market's going to come down. Basically, you're an idiot if you think that in today's world. Because we just went through the biggest depression damn near we ever had during COVID, and the market went up every single day because the Fed did not put more money in. Then we had one bank who nobody even heard about almost go under, and they they poured more money in again, and the market ran up. So there's going to be this dramatic if- we start laying people off, like oh, I'm, oh, I'm hearing everywhere around here now. I mean, not here, but in Google, everybody's laying people off in January. You now we'll see what the numbers come out in the February, or the next numbers. But if it starts to work out, or whether are other people getting hired, who the hell knows? But the fact is, we'll we'll see some of that. And last month, the, the household number was down like nine hundred thousand people. It didn't even come close to matching the hot number that everybody talks about. Anyway, but I'm saying. The idea, everybody's convinced, then that's going to be a positive for the market because the Fed is going to drop, lower the rates six times again and go right back to pouring money, and, you, and you're going to have this constant market's going to triple where, where every man can't afford. I just, I just got a, the same problem you had with your transmission. I just had a car battery put in on, on Monday. I took it to the same guy that I, four years ago, put the other one in, I said, you know, it seems like I just got this thing, but it probably was longer than that. And he goes, no, it was four years to the day. That's how long they last. And it's 228 bucks. I said, let's get a little heavy for a battery. And he goes, four years ago, I paid $69 for this battery. This one, I just paid 180 for. It's the same thing. I mean, the, the idea that, that somehow this inflation is being whooped, I don't, know, I don't know whose mind that's in. I mean, it just, you, you don't even know it till you go buy something. Of stuff, right, exactly. Stuff, I mean, I mean exactly. You, you can look at the price of, of eggs and chicken and, and gas, right. but try and try and try and get a roof. Try and try and buy a two yeah. by four. I mean, the stuff you don't normally buy. Try and buy a toilet. Oh, I haven't done that a while. I mean, you're stunned when you see this stuff.
0: Yeah, and i I just had it. I just found out I have to get a root canal. <laughs> yeah. And I was comparing comparing prices and doing my little uh, survey of people who've had them recently and and finding out that you know the 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 cost of what what i'm expected to pay is is probably 40 or 50% higher than what you know a family member or friend had paid uh, a year ago so, yeah. so so yeah there are services i guess if you if you will that where prices continue to go higher and there are places that were slow to increase prices and now they're justifying it by saying that you know the cost of materials and all that has gone up but that's all. That those costs have already gone up. They're just now being reflected in their their higher rates on their services that they're offering. So, well, I'm looking at this
3: uh, graph here. I got this. Uh, these guys are a nice thing. A stock price, they earnings per share, and then I got the P/E ratio of Nvidia. And, and over a period of of uh, we're talking twelve years, the P/E ratio was actually down now from its peak. But just keeps going up, up, up. No, no, nobody cares about valuation there.
0: That's, this is very true. It is. And it, it is a momentum-driven market. And one other thing I'll say is, and I mentioned this last time, is that this is a broad-based um, market movement. So it's it's one, um, you know, it's it. if you were in the index, if you were in an ETF that's an index, SPY, VTI, um, and you were hoping for moves or you were expecting moves in the market, you're going to be better off having that diversification and not being in stocks. No specific stocks that could have exposure to some regulatory issues, some geopolitical issues um, or some single stock risk that just happens to do with, um, you know, change of management. So this, I think, is an environment where we're going to continue to see some volatility hang in there. uh, But don't look at this as an environment to go out and pick your your one off names that you think have a lot of of uh, of um, upside to your point, chief, that. The reason for that is you really have to be careful and look at valuation because valuations have moved, especially since the beginning of November, and you need to reevaluate where valuations are today compared to where they were a few months ago because that same stock that looked attractive from a fundamental point of view may not look attractive from a from a um, valuation point of view today.
3: Well, but people don't, I mean, nobody wants to care about that. I mean, you look at you know your Costco's. You now I, the thing that I, I don't have, and I'll ask you I'll ask you the question: uh, Has the concentration in industries made a difference? I mean, when I say yes. that, I, I, I would say that um, twenty years ago somebody would I would say, Hey, come on, Costco, or I'm, I'm going to get the P ratio here, Little Lemon. Uh, I mean the uh, is is forty is is forty point four. Is as of January twelfth. Now I'm going to say, uh, traditionally, them and Costco and all these places, for God's sake, it's a retailer. <laughs> the retailers don't right. trade it. They don't. They don't trade at forty. I mean, what's matter you? I mean, that that type of thing. But now they do, and they have for like a real long time. And I'm not so sure about Lululemon, but Costco is Costco is Home Depot. Home Depot probably more so. Have they gotten so big in such a part that no matter what hits them, they can raise prices to people and gouge? I mean, gouge is a bad word, but you know, can, can they always? Have they reached the concentration stage to where they're no longer a retailer? They're, they become something, a monument, or they? You know, it'd be like if you had one oil company. No matter how bad it got, they could just raise the prices. Uh, I don't know. Maybe maybe, maybe they, are, they are at that point where they shouldn't be. Priced as a retailer, he should almost be priced as a monopolist or something, or a duopolist. I mean, I, I mean, there's economically you you could almost make a case for that. I don't know if I'm I'm not smart enough to do that. Milton Friedman's dead, but uh, you know, I, I, there's there's something weird here. Uh, I think Dan and I, and I can't figure it out. I mean, you can't say that a retailer should be 12 or 13 like they traditionally have been because it's hard to be a retailer. I don't think it's hard to be a retailer if you're a monopolist.
0: Yeah absolutely i mean it's and that's the that's the movement and that's generally been the movement if if you want to call it consolidation or 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 movement towards bigger box or movement away from niche players or or you know you know having specialty players if you will in certain areas uh and movement more towards you know um one-stop shopping for for retailers and walmart i think is a really good example of that where you can get you know everything from your Pharmacy needs to your to your groceries to your Hardware needs and you know in one stop and so so yes, it is hard to, to de- determine whether you're talking about a pure re- retailer or you know, I mean you might have to consider what segment of that retail market you're in whether you're in um, food or or you know department store or, or pharmacy or, or even vision or some of the other um, uh, You know parts of the business now so the the conglomerates are really hard to, in general, I think they've always been hard to value, and, and, but I do think the world has moved more towards the the bigger shops, the bigger boxes, and away from the traditional, what I like to think of as capitalist um, small mom and pops that have the opportunity well, those that to specialize.
3: Those that weren't forced out just by the bigness got buried by COVID.
1: Yes. But
3: I, I, to be honest, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I can name one. I think they're still in business from when I used to remodel homes forty years ago. I can't. I can't name you if I'm looking for a two x four or something. Like, other than going to Menards, or I guess there's a Lowe's near my house. But the only thing that keeps people going here is there's Menards is a third competitor. Other than going to Menards or Home Depot, I, don't, I wouldn't know where to go. I have no idea. Right.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. No. I understand. I, I. definitely understand. Hey, I got a question.
3: I, I got a question. By the way, Home uh, Home Depot's. In October of 2023, it was like 16. Now it's 23. That's a lot. For you. Yeah. But I have a question for you. And I, we've had a couple of questions on the show this week. I don't know if you've been listening, but, um, I, and plus I've had people call in my clients and a couple more of them are your clients. Uh, I am an absolute ninny when it comes to valuing banks. Dan, how do you do it? Like, all these people talk about the something to book and all this other kind. I can't, these guys are so in bed with government, I can't figure out what are good buys. No, the, the, the smaller, medium banks I can make a stab at because it's more like a regular business. I can't tell you if, if J.P. Morgan's is overvalued or if it's a good buy here. I mean, we've had people through the years in the XLF, and it's it's hard to do options in there because well, it's, it's easier now that it's up a little bit, but it was hard to do options in here. You could never roll from one to the next. It was It's it's not all that liquid. Do you stay away from banks? I stay away from because I I really don't understand yeah. them. What what do you have a? Are you betterness at me? I hope you are.
0: I'm not sure I'm much I'm much better at this than you, but I will I absolutely agree that when it comes to valuing, especially looking at it from an accounting point of view, how do you account for for um, you know deposits and and um, where do you find your value? Um, you're absolutely right on the money, or I agree with you that regionals are, are, are like small businesses and regionals are, are a little easier to get your arms around and understand where value is. And, but when you start getting into the large banks like the, the JP Morgan's, um, like the Wells Fargo's Bank of America's, you can, you can get lost. And I think the way that revenue is realized is very difficult. And, and in the past, the issue had been transparency and really understanding the line items and where all the information is coming from and is it is it you know deposits and, and also understanding rates so for example if you have a bank account at bank of america like i do you can see that you're getting nothing still on your checking account and the like that sitting idle is getting zero and yet um if you go to our interactive brokers you're getting close to five percent for idle cash there is some money being made there along the way, and and that's that's um, very clear to see. However, the way that is translated um, into analyst reports and also into their earnings reports is not quite as obvious. So there is still some what I would refer to lack of transparency in terms of what's actually going on and what the value actually exists with these larger banks. And the other thing is, they are moving so quickly. Um, They have, they, you know, the changes in the the bank's focus, um, the changes in the, you know, technology. I mean, again, go back to the Bank of America example. I can't find the store anymore just to go to an ATM. They seem to be disappearing, um, at least in Florida, but I know in other locations as well. Trying to move to just online banking across the board, so that we won't ever go into a bank again. Um. So there's there's a it's a work in progress or it's a it's a change of focus, and getting your arms around really what's going on there is really difficult. So yes, to answer your question, we do tend to stay away from the larger banks, and throw on top of all of that the issues that Wells Fargo had, um, the issues that some of the other large banks have with, with with, um, I don't want to use the word fraud, but
3: why not? um, Why not?
0: Yeah, Just so because it says without it.
3: admitting or denying, nobody gives anybody a billion dollars without being guilty of something.
0: Absolutely. So, so those are, the, I think, a lot of good reasons to stay away. And I don't think of it necessarily as a high margin business, even though I started out talking about the, the margin that they could be getting on deposits versus what they're paying for deposits versus what they're actually able to collect in this environment. So that kind of rubs the wrong cord with me. That you should be given back to your shareholders or even your customers, yeah. who are uh, keeping your deposits going. So, Dan, how
3: do you get a, a,
0: a, it? I would, I would stay away from. We tend, in general, not to like, uh, not to favor, I should say, the the big name, um, the mega names. Um, that they, they're they're going to be the names a lot of people chase, but they're also some of the hardest names to value, and the way they move. Um, technology-wise and um, business decision-wise. And if you have a change of management, um, that adds another um, issue, another layer of risk um, to the organization. And and I I like simple organizations where you know their products, where there's transparency, where there's positive free cash flow, where there's a story that's going to get them from point A to point B, and a management team that can execute that strategy yeah and
3: with the with the mid-sized banks the ones that I I favor yes. how, do you, how do you how can you figure out how much how many ten-year notes they bought that are trading 70% of the value and are sitting on their books
0: the, the, it, depending on the bank some of them have more transparency you know some of the analysts that that follow these banks we have probably about 50 independent an, analysts that follow um, a number of companies including the regionals and there's there's a greater focus um, You also can get a greater regional focus if it's a particular area for example a bank that might be in you know i mean a more rural area that deals more with with farmers uh, a bank that may be you know we we knew about the banks in silicon valley yeah. valley not necessarily that we would like them but but really looking at, at their you know the geographic as well as demographics of their depositors and their um the you know the creditors, so those are, you know, I think that helps to, to know what that niche is, um, and also looking at the, you know, the wealth of those people, and, and um, how many of those banks have exposure to, you know, to mortgages, and, and um, would be another question as well. well. Can, you so take,
3: can you take a, uh, I mean, if you really do want to watch them, which, you know, I sort of have to, because my clients ask me about it all the time, um, can you take a, uh, I'll say simplistic, uh technical. I'm not saying people do technical stuff for simplistic. But if you look at this XLF, just looking at the chart here yes. going back a bunch, it seems like in the last at least three and a half years, every time something happens and the thing gets down around 30, it's been a buy. Now it's trading 37. Now, would you even do something as simplistic as that? Even though you know, I'm going to put it in a protected program, so I'm going to protect it. But if all of a sudden – this year the market went down. I'm not saying it's going to. If the XLF got down around 30 or 29, is it worth worth you know uh, some part of your portfolio going in at like at that price? Of course, it, you know it could go lower, obviously. But maybe because is there, is there? Can you just drop down to a simplistic level like that and say if they're at some point they're yeah, going to get bailed you, out you again absolutely or absolutely
0: can and you you absolutely can and you can actually um, do that by. Uh, making certain that the fundamentals haven't changed dramatically. So you're, you're knowing that the, um, the price movement is based more on either, um, you know, uh, trading down sympathy with the sector. Um, and here's like a, a good name or, 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 a name that is, um, you know, a, a hidden gem that just happens to have gone down with the rest. And you know, that company, cause you've done some homework on them. Um, they would have the opportunity to, to move up. And also watching the cycle so you know how often does it happen when does it tend to happen is it happening um, prior to earnings announcements is it happening prior to um, Fed uh, decisions so so I think you know combination of all that because we consider all factors it could be a good buy they absolutely could could be a good buy we do the same with with gold and silver right, right. now we see in a stronger dollar so Gold and silver don't look as strong, but that but that is going to change. And when that dynamic changes, um, once silver gets down to a certain point, it'll be a buy again.
3: Well, they don't seem to be able to break out either one. I mean, and I, I at the beginning of the year, a lot of clients wanted to get. I mean, the, the people on TV were doing the drumbeat on oil. I thought maybe it was going to break out the other day. Damn, when it got to seventy four and a half. It's right back down. I mean, it's a is uh is there a sector right now to, to I don't have one, so I'm asking, is there a sector you, you favorite? I don't really favor these these big caps. I think they're too high. But I do too. But the problem with that is every time somebody throws a thousand dollar check in their IRA and puts it in the spider at the cues, they're buying five hundred dollars worth of those stocks even though they don't know it. So I mean there, there's a there's a I use the term there's a there's a constant demand there for these stocks, even from people who, now I'm sure there's people who say last thing I want to do is buy Apple at this price and then then they put money in the QQQs don't realize they just paid they just bought 20 percent apple or ten percent apple whatever the hell it is uh, I mean I, I mean there's a lot of that going on I think but is there a sector you actually I'm I, you know I, I can't stand the sector because I think they charge people way too much but I wouldn't be a bit surprised if the if the the medical sector did not have a good year last year I wonder if there's gonna be some catch up there if we have a decent year. Uh-
0: i would say healthcare absolutely i mean look at the names that you're you're participating in but i would definitely say healthcare there's there's it has a lot of um um you know uh, tailwinds um right now going into uh, this this year 2024 um that you know some of the I, I would say that even though energy prices have oil prices have come down i think um there are going to be opportunities in the energy sector itself i don't think it goes you know i don't think that's a a dead sector at this point um same thing with the uh, you know infrastructure we had talked about this a while back actually probably a few years back when we were talking about the infrastructure we redu- you know the, the ira well that money is still out there and you know maybe in in my part of the world where i'm seeing an incredible amount of development going on i think these companies are going to continue to benefit not only from from the builders um you know home builders and and commercial builders um adding um properties adding housing mostly um, adding infrastructure so any of those companies that are involved in infrastructure plays I'm thinking of Maztec which is based in Miami that that does has has, uh, you know gets involved in that but any of the companies that are involved in infrastructure I think will continue continue to benefit in this environment sort of regardless of whatever the flavor of the day or the sector of the day happens to be so those sectors I think still have Room to go. Municipalities are still spending money; still have been given funding to do those projects, whether they be bridges, roads, uh, new stadiums. That money is there, so that is you know not exciting necessarily. But I think they're they're going to be fairly steady investments in this environment.
3: Dan, is that money One ever thing- get? Is that money ever? It's a procedural question. I don't know if the. is that money ever get cut off? Like if you if you were in a bill three years ago there's $10 million for a new railroad station in God knows where, you know, uh, no, Nowheresville, Nebraska. If all of a sudden it's two, three years later and, and the federal government has you know, some issues with money, can they put a stay on that and say, well, it's still there, but not for another five years because we don't have the dough? I mean, is it, it, or does it absolutely have to come to you without being able to be intercepted anywhere along the way?
0: That's a, that's a good question, but the, the way the, – the, it really depends on the way the contract is written. And in most cases, uh, no, they can't um, – there'd, there'd have to be an unusual circumstance that would allow them to – or give them the right to be able to put a hold on the project. Um, the funds are already there, so when municipalities are doing um, projects, they have what they call a sinking fund, and they actually put so much money into the sinking fund – that's retiring, you know, bonds that they had outstanding, for example. And as that sinking fund grows, that's used as their safety net, if you will, to help finance development during difficult periods. So it's it's not common for that to happen if there's an overall, you know, national economic but when is, when is the
3: money When does the money actually shift from somewhere in the bowels of the federal government to some bank in nebraska where you can start paying guys out of a paycheck i mean I, it
0: it already has started and okay. it already has started and that's why i'm saying that there's opportunity when you were asking about areas of investment that already has started to happen in certain areas um we see some of it already in south florida and in some places that have already received the funding the people what i was getting back to is it's it the you know the municipalities need a higher for example, if it's roads, they need to hire the pavers, they need to hire the pe- the workers that are going to be on those roads. Those companies may be um, dealing with some challenges. They may be dealing with some possibly higher costs and all that. But generally, when they have these contracts, they're pretty much um, written in stone, and it's just a question of well, carrying they, them out.
3: As, as somebody who, we got a dash here, Dan, as somebody who spent a couple of years at Pullman, Dealing with the escalation clauses from the government, yes. do kind of, yes. you think most of these have escalation clause in them now or don't?
0: Yes, I would say they do. It, I would hope so. I, I, I would mean. say, that, yeah, and especially because of the period that we've been in recently with, with runaway inflation. Of
3: course, if, you, if your escalation is on a CPI, good luck to you.
0: Right, yeah, exactly.
3: <laughs> Dan, take care. When are we going to see you? And I, I knew I wasn't going to see you when it was 10 below zero, but, we, you know, coming back soon?
0: How come here now. Um I, I I will I know I absolutely will be there in May and hopefully before then. Why aren't you in Davos?
3: Asking,
4: asking <laughs> Good question.
0: Breath. Good question. Too cold. A guy like you
3: <laughs> now. now Lou says his Lear didn't start. <laughs> I, I got to believe you. You've paid the fifty-two grand. You were invited, and you you've got your ticket for nineteen grand. <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah. I I'm, I'm, I kind of rather watch it on TV at this point. What do you <laughs> suppose a
3: martini is? Fifty.
0: No, yeah, yeah,
3: I'd say, yep. Well, you know, we could still have one there, I guess. We would have too many. Yeah, All right. absolutely. All right, buddy, take care of yourself. All right. as if is up 18, NASDAQ is up 133. Uh, be right back. Mr. John Flannigan, in uh, Traffic Weather Sports.
5: Stocks, jocks. And jocks, stocks, and jocks.
3: You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right, right now. Hello and all, back Stocks and Jocks. I'm talking about Greg Pappas on the board. SB Futures up 20, and has their futures up 145. Uh, we've got the Dow is actually down 36, which is kind of odd. But Apple up 387. Oh, actually it's not so odd because United Healthcare is down 23 dollars that's, uh, that's a lot that's four and a half percent so that's a solid uh, 140 in the Dow in one stock so that's a lot um, over in we uh, get over here to Europe over in Europe we these guys are down heavy yesterday but they're bouncing back today Dex up 120.7 I'm going to say it's probably half of the bounce back from yesterday maybe even a little more uh, FTSE up nine that's uh, only 0.1 percent that's nowhere near as much as they were down yesterday. A kick around up 71%, 1%, so that's a pretty good bounce there too. Um, only one, the only bounce lagging is in, uh, Europe, in uh, Britain. Nikkei down 11, call that flat. Hang Seng up 114, finally an up day, 0.7%, uh, 15,391, still very low. Shanghai up 12, but under 29,000, or 2900, sorry, 28.45, the Chinese markets have just not been doing well and I, I wonder how much further they can go without causing a problem. Uh, yesterday, Dow Jones. I didn't think they go this far. What I call them, wasn't a problem. Yesterday, Dow was down 94, S&P down 27, Nasdaq down 89. So uh, we're we we're down there yesterday, but not horrible. Just you know, steady down. 10-year un, unchanged 4.10. The bond up one basis point now 2.28. Japan up 4.65. It's the highest we've seen those guys in a while. Oil down three cents, back down in the in the range 72.53. Brent down 20 cents, 77.68. Natural gas down eight cents, four seventy-eight. A long way from three bucks. Arbob down a penny, two twelve. We've got gold, a little bit of a dead cat bounce. It's already done, up seven seventy, but only two thousand and fourteen. Nowhere near the middle of the two thousands that it was for a while. Silver up two cents, twenty-two sixty-seven. Copper down a penny, three seventy-two. We've got crypto, made a huge run up, but now it's just kind of staggering here. Made it hit the forty-six thousand. Now we're forty-two thousand four forty-two, and the U.S. dollar is. Um, virtually unchanged. It's it's up up a little bit against the euro. The euro's at uh, one hundred eight eight, and it's, it's down a little bit again, very slightly against the British bound one twenty six eight. So there you go. What do you got for us? Traffic, weather, sports.
5: Morning, everyone. It's balmy outside. Yeah, seven thirty six here in Chicago. About twenty degrees, twenty five today, with maybe a little bit of morning snow. Cold in Phoenix, forty eight right now. Seventy five, sunny and beautiful there. Traffic, things starting to pick up. Montrose to the interchange, 33 minutes. Inbound Edens from Lake Cook, 58 minutes. Inbound Ike from Wolf, 54 minutes. Um, Ryan, 95th to the interchange, 30 minutes. And the Stevenson, 294 to the Ryan, 41 minutes. And it's still getting worse. So everybody coming back to the uh, office today. There was more traffic on the Kennedy this morning than I've seen in a month. Yeah. Hawks at Sabres tonight. White Sox in serious talks to build a new stadium in the 78. That was interesting according to the Sun-Times. And uh, men's college ball, DePaul uh, beaten by Providence last night, and Northwestern uh, beat up on Maryland at home. So that's all I got you. When you only
3: have 10,000 people show up or 5,000 people show up, you really do need a new stadium.
5: Well, now it's uh, under 1,000, so. You're...
3: That's coming with sax
5: games? Oh, I thought you were talking about DePaul.
3: No. Well, DePaul, we were talking about that last night because I live in the DePaul area. Um. Johnny with us? I'm Tom. Good morning. Did, did you know, uh was a gentleman named, I, I think he's still alive, but I'm not positive, um, Art Goldberg, um, who is a, uh, owned a clearing firm on a, on a CBOE floor. Well, on a floor. He owned a clearing firm. People trade on the CBOE floor. And he uh, started Burling Bank over in the Board of Trade building. And I, I knew the guy a little bit. I, not very much. But he, at uh, some point, he got the property at, uh, you know, we are Halston Division there, uh, gentlemen. The, yep. the mm-hmm. northeast corner, he accumulated that property and uh, was big enough for, the, the, the footprint of the current DePaul Stadium over by McCormick Place is not that big. I mean, we're not talking about a, a baseball. I mean, it's a, it's a basketball arena. I mean, you can use it for a concert and other stuff, but it's about as small as it can get. I'm going to say it holds 12000 maybe, Greg? But the footprint of the building is not very big. You, you could have put that essentially in our neighborhood, you know, where, where the university is. I think he packaged that property up and he offered it to DePaul for free, and DePaul said no, I think. Some some weird story like that. And uh, I have no idea who owns it now, but I mean, that's kind of strange, huh? Um,
4: it, it is strange. Well, and, and the, you know, when they did build wind trust stadium you know where they are now that was controversial too because it was a private public um you know cooperative agreement that kind of you know, troubled some people um and uh, you know however the, the revenue was to be split or whatever but the investment in it was a, a, a kind of an unprecedented um you know combination of the city and the private institution so um I've never been in the one Trust stadium but
3: it's it um, has all the issues you would have with a small footprint. I mean it when you're sitting in your seat, the sight lines are terrific. You're very close to the floor. But if you if you try and like, like go to the men's room or something and and there's five people waiting for a coke, they're they they clog the whole aisle. You can't move. So it's in in terms of that, it's a problem. But it, once, if once everybody's in their seat, it's you're you're pretty close and, you know, you can see the game pretty good. I went there to see the uh the girls play uh, in the quarterfinals, the NCAA's there or something a few years ago. And I watched those guys play. DePaul was playing somebody, and you know, maybe think the Irish might have played too. But it was good games. I mean, the girls were good. I mean, it was like two or three games. I think Texas A&M had some girls a real star. but well, she was really good. I remember seeing. Remember that? Anyway, but uh, I mean, uh, the 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 Sax needing a new stadium is insanity. They're, they're they're paying like no rent in the old one. They pay they pay a million or two million dollars a year. And They want to move. What's the, what's the rank of if new place? They players? can
4: stick the taxpayers with, with the bill. Yeah, it is like you know, it's it's going to be you know off the books everywhere. The, the taxpayers are on the hook for that forever. But so, but
3: I I uh, actually think Sox Park is one of the nicest ones I've been in. I don't know I don't know what you would do differently in a new one. Do you?
4: Well, other than make it more expensive for fans, no.
3: I, mean, I I don't think I've only, I've only been in
4: you know, guaranteed Great Field once, Tom, and I didn't I I was so soured on the experience that I um I haven't been back, so
3: Well I mean I don't I don't know that it's it it uh to me it's pretty darn nice. It has all the stuff in the modern parks. I mean would you make it a little bit better and a little bit nicer? Probably, but what do you do with it? Or are they talking oh, about it don't
4: but all the fun out of going to a game is gone oh, yeah. I, mean, oh I, yeah I don't i don't have any i don't get i didn't get any kind of a thrill out of it and um one of the things i liked about the old Kamiski park was that it was you know kind of a mess you know it was dirty and it was you know crumbling
3: but it really was, it was crumbling was they they had, they had big issues with that place
4: yeah but it was it was cheap and it was fun and, well my um, uh by taking the fun out of baseball you take a lot of the reasons fans go to games away from them so
3: Interesting story. The gentleman here that when I when I you know manage portfolios for people, my right hand man here, is, well he sits right in the same office. Uh, I'll just say his name is Larry. Um, he's been around forever, and you know he traded on the P Coast for a while. He traded in Amsterdam for a while. I mean, he's a real guy to be watching your portfolio. I mean, we all are here. I mean, we all had all kinds of time on the floor and so forth, trading multiple portfolios. So it's not just something we decided to do last week. How's that for a shameless plug, Jen? But uh, by the way, we're also, while I'm on a shameless plug route, we're starting to see PTI at one point was 45% of our business was in futures. And people have sort of gotten away from that. And now we're starting to get a lot more interest in futures again. And, and Greg is helping us out in that area. And I think we're going to start seeing a lot more of that, Greg. And uh, and probably we're going to uh, you know up, upgrade our ability to, to go back to that a certain extent, because I'm starting to see a lot of people having some interest in maybe because Greg's been talking more about you know soybeans and corn and uh, copper and those kinds of things. We have in fact we have a guy who wants to trade copper through us uh, you know right now out of the blue. And uh, so we're going to do, and we're gonna, you know we were we were good at that. And uh, uh, so we're going to we're going to wander. So if anybody feels that they uh, want to at least explore that, you know, let us know because we're we're. Uh, we, we can do that through our IB platform, or we can find another way to do it too. But um, it's you know it's a, it, these are fascinating areas. If you really want to learn about you know agriculture, you want to learn about the metals and stuff. People really used to really enjoy researching, and you know it wasn't like they became unbelievable traders. Like you trade natural gas contracts all day long. I mean, I don't think we'd let you do that. But uh, I mean, it, it, it is. A, when Greg you say it's it's a fascinating industry, I and mean, you really get to know. Um, you know, more about... I mean, you can never know enough about corn or cattle or whatever. It's, it's... But in the Midwest, there's people that have interest in that. And a lot of people like trading the metals. And you've always said you th- you like trading like the gold and silver better on the future side than you do through the ETFs. I'm speaking for you here. You.
5: That's true because that's what the ETF managers are are using for their... You know, you're paying fees to those guys to do yeah. the same thing, so...
3: So, I mean, you can... If, if somebody really wanted to trade gold the
5: ETFs are get get paid yeah. to chase us <laughs>
3: yeah I mean, if somebody really wanted to trade gold I think if you were serious about it I mean we invest in gold so I can do the puts and stuff I do that on the, on the, on the security side but if you really wanted to delve into it um, Greg is right you should do it on the future side in, in my opinion and Greg's opinion That's, is that fair to say Greg
5: well yeah, yeah. I mean it's if you're if you're already in the ETFs or something you're you're just paying someone else to do the same thing.
3: Yep. Well, Jan, uh, as, as a as a Chicagoan, I think you know that there is one reason why you tear down a perfectly good stadium and build another one just like it right next door. Is because you can reward all your buddies with the contracts on the new place. Right?
4: Oh, yeah, and also, you know, attract, you know, a- Interest and and get other people to, you know, wait in line for their skyboxes and you know, you, you know that whatever design they choose is going to be, you know, all in the wrong direction.
3: They have skyboxes at the old Comiskey. I don't think they've ever even been finished. No, it's, it's been how many years? They don't they don't know the demand for it.
4: Well, the, the only way they can get demand, I think, is by saying it's going to be bigger and better than ever. And you know, they're trying to you know attract a whole crop of people for whatever reason never got interested or got turned off on what they saw or did, didn't get the right perks in their package and, and just decided to walk away so uh, the only way short of you know, having a brain transplant in their management is to just build a new stadium and I guess you know if, if you have somebody else paying for it that's a pretty easy thing to try to flow so. but,
3: but if you can do a a Cubs Boston to a certain extent, Baltimore a neighborhood sort of thing. Philly, Philly, not so much. There's not no neighbor. There's no neighborhood there. If you can do that, where I go and it's a few innings. If it's cold, I don't care. I'm just going to pile it to a bar and it's all. It's a. It's an evening out. You know, where everybody we're, we're sort of watching baseball, but we're really watching the opposite sex. I mean, and this is this is the happening place. You're not going to pull that off down there because they, they obliterated the neighborhood around the place. Right, and not not that many people live there. Enough to fill a place and, up.
4: That's still the attraction, you know, in Boston. And, yeah, you know, of, of not the Baltimore is any great place to be these days, but um, it, it, the idea that, that there was a a neighborhood that was you know had its own attractions in addition to the to the stadium uh, was appealing because there was stuff to do afterwards, and it wasn't just you piling your car or, or bus and you were whisked away. Uh, but you can hang around, you could hang around beforehand. Um, even, you know, back in the old days with McCuddy's on thirty fifth street, which the you know, yeah. the socks rapidly got rid of, but that was a that was a watering hole that, you know, was a draw You know, you could go there even you know, when the cut the weren't playing. And there's other stuff nearby too. And that's that's so Well, much They couldn't wait to get rid
3: of that. that, but now it's all them.
4: Yeah, yeah, that, that that didn't figure in their plans at all. Despite their promises that it would yeah. be somehow Incorporated or whatever else, then that came to Wrecking Ball. So,
3: but it's uh, we have a we have a mutual friend, uh, that Dr. J and other When you put up like one of these buildings, like uh, it's a place on the the West Loop. Pre- is it Presidential Towers? Yeah, mm-hmm. the place is massive. It's, it's it was built in an area that was kind of away from the loop when that was not where you wanted to be. And the place is was it four towers?
4: Four towers, yeah.
3: I mean, what did? What did it, what did Dak tell me that if you, if you had a, a retention rate on your leases of eighty percent, which is really really hard to do, you had to rent something like fifteen apartments a day or something. How the hell do you he even do that? But you know, and uh, actually, Doctor J's dad was one of the original investors in there, and I think he got clobbered on the investment. But he says you don't you don't get it. You put the place together, you get the investors, you build it. You don't care if those guys get get skunked. You you come out of it with the the, the cable franchise or the security franchise or the front door franchise. You got you got a, you got a ticket for the rest of your life with, with one of the services in the building, be it the security cameras or whatever it is. You don't care if they, if if the place loses money. <laughs> this is the Chicago way, John, Right?
4: Well, and of course, has made out like a bandit. For the last time I, I walked past there. People, you're know, all milling in the lobby waiting for their grubhub deliveries because yeah. nobody wanted to go out. There's no place to go out to eat anyway, so you know that's a gold mine. But, but yeah, you can't. But just
3: because a place fails, don't think that everybody lost money.
4: Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, that's that's the beauty of the system. It's, it's
3: that's the beauty of the, <laughs> the
4: survivors are the ones you never expect. It's to that, to, what, what it,
3: uh, the what did what did the late uh, late great uh, Sean Connery? It's the Chicago way in Untouchables, right? <laughs> the uh, Right so John, we've g- seen the market kind of do this. We see what's going on in Davos. See the stuff in the Middle East and Lou is incredulous early. Why the hell Iran decided to drop a bunch of missiles on Pakistan out of the blue, and maybe it's not out of the blue. We just don't know about it. Uh, maybe they've been skirmishing over there forever i mean it's it's really hard I, I've been have to one of these days. I'm gonna have to cut an hour out of my morning or something. I mean not what I don't want to do a show. I do, and I have to scrupulously go through like the London Times and. Like three other papers than the stuff you're getting here, because there's obviously news going on around the world that we're just not getting at all. I used to go through a, used to use Al Jazeera US to pick up some of this stuff, and then they went out of business, right? But how do you even find? I, I like Lou says, out of the blue. I think it's just out of the blue because Lou and I just heard about it. I mean, I, there's got to be something going on over there. I mean, they never did like each other. Uh, I don't. i Is it the first shot fired? I don't know. What do you think?
4: I think there's a whole, you know, culture now of chaos theory in international relations. And it isn't so much about strategic advantage in terms of territorial gains or even economic warfare. But it's just a general destabilization. And, of course, that, that causes shockwaves um, in, in the economy, you know, the global economy. It upsets alliances. It, 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 it makes people unsettled. Um, it, it, just that jitteriness, which has always been, I think, a kind of useful tool in resetting. You know what, what you don't like about the current situation, or bleeding another country dry, or making them use up valuable capital in sticking their necks out to save face over here while they lose face over there. I, th- I think you know the U.S. Um, has always had a, a rough relationship with Pakistan, not as rough as with Iran, certainly. But it definitely is going to have people within the State Department and the Defense Department, you know, tightening their grip on whatever triggers they've got nearby about what what could happen next. Well, we're we're big buddies.
3: We, it, it, we're big buddies with even India.
4: That's ripe into anything. It's yeah. got some value in, in keeping people unstable.
3: Well, we're big buddies with India, even though they don't really do a lot of what we want them to do. And, right, and, and, and we, probably and,
4: we'd like to be bigger ones. But
3: yeah, and, and but then we also have uh, um, we were messing around Afghanistan forever. And that that's, you know, part of that the, the one part of Afghanistan and that part of it in Pakistan are pretty much real tight, aren't they? Yeah. But I don't, I mean, there's. you would think that Iran is doing their best to piss everybody off, that out of the blue you wouldn't go find another enemy. But I, I'm going to say some people would be really, really happy if all of a sudden they get some big war ensued between Pakistan and Iran to so get them out of everybody else's hair.
4: You know, I, I don't think it, it's so much that, that they're... I, I don't see they, that they're seeing themselves as overextended in this or opening up a new front that they can't afford to fight because they're, they're pretty much a pariah nation anyway, except for... Well, you still need money.
3: Policies. Missiles still cause dough from someplace.
4: Yeah, and they, I don't think money is their problem.
3: <laughs> well, I mean... At all. Money is everybody's problem. It, it, it's our problem.
4: It, 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 it's our problem, Ultimately. But we don't seem to pay attention to our money problems, so I, I wouldn't expect Iran to be any more caring about their, theirs either. But, but what, what I'm saying is that they're they're so hooked into a, a market of arms traders and crookedness, just like we are, and we don't talk about it very much. Um, they could do pretty well by just firing a missile or two, and they it wake people up. They make people nervous. They increase their street cred as somebody that isn't you know trust trustworthy. Or we we, maybe we better do this to try to get them back in our camp. So it's all about posturing um, and making sure that, that people don't just you know view them as a, as inconsequential or not somebody worth you know taking into their confidence about stuff. So I, I don't I don't know that it's any good. You no, know, it's not a good sign because we don't really know what to make of it. And I agree with you there. I don't see any strategic benefit from doing this. But that doesn't mean it doesn't have benefit for the people running that country.
3: Well. I, uh, one of the books I I read. Of course, whenever you read something, it clouds your, your vision or, or influences it at least. Uh, who wrote? Was it Dogs of War? Was that Forsyth? Who wrote that? I'm not sure. And anyway, the Dogs of War is interesting book about some some coup in Africa and one of these African countries and blah 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 blah. And they were gonna they were gonna take over it because they, some company found out that one of the one of the mountains there was loaded up with rare elements. So they were to get a coup and put a government in that they was going to be their own, their own, you know, whatever, their own guys, right? So they hired this guy to, to essentially do the coup, you know, with some group of people and blah blah blah. Well, he ends up turning the tables on him, but that but that's the plot of the book. It wasn't about. I don't remember that much about the plot, John, because the plots are the plots come and go, right? But the yeah. the how many chapters it took for these guys to get a budget put together. All the stuff they needed to get it all there in one spot, to get to recruit the people that were good at what they did. I mean, they had a guy who was good at mortars. All right, so by the time it took them to go find a place to buy the mortars, get them over there, make sure that the I know the machine guns. They ended up there's a Russian kind or whatever. They they went through the different kinds of machine guns and why they thought this one was the best one. And how the, the cash got to some guy in God knows where, Belarus or somewhere, and they got the guns from him, and they, and they transferred them by train. But then they, they found some ship where they could hide, you know, 500 guns, and they, because the ship was known to leak oil all over the damn place, so they had a gazillion barrels of oil on there. So they, they wrapped the guns real tight and sunk them in the oil that they needed for the to keep the engines going. I mean, the the detail and the and. And the planning and the buying and the cash transferring and all that stuff, to me, was absolutely fascinating. So when somebody says, oh, yeah, Iran can go buy missiles anywhere, no, it's, it, it's, it's not that simple. So I mean, obviously, they're accomplishing it, so it's possible. That part I, I, I get. But somehow, way I'd really love to somebody to give me the serial number on these missiles, and where the hell did they come from? Who made them? Who sold them to them? I mean, this, this this trade are so many of our people benefiting by the trade that we don't we don't care about stopping it, or, or, or the world doesn't but care I think about
4: it. It sta- has to be true. It has to be true, Tom. Yeah.
3: I mean, I, the, I mean, this, this stuff just doesn't wander from. I mean, you and I couldn't just decide to drop a missile on, on Gary tomorrow. Where the hell would we get it? I mean, I mean, it, it, it? I mean, I'm not saying if we knew somebody in the deep dark web or something. That maybe we could find a mortar somewhere, or someplace, but it would take us how many months? How do we learn how to use the damn thing? I mean, this is not easy. I don't think. Well,
4: you know, that's been the theory for some time about what really happened in Benghazi. You know, under Obama, the, you know, the the killing of the ambassador and the, that uprising and all the the goofy stuff that Hillary Clinton was pointing to about you know the, the media campaign against Islam. This was what stirred everybody up. But, but supposedly we have been you know marketing arms to some insurgent group in Libya and you know the ambassador knew about it and was you know furious about it and to cover up you know what we had done there we sort of sacrificed the people in that embassy and well, like, I, I firmly believe that that stuff has been going on forever in international policy and, and you know not just this country but but every country
3: well somewhere but at the we, time we I... really built a. When you and I were young, younger John, I, I read some something about it because I was interested in it when I read this book and uh, I, so I dug in out into something then of course, I had to go to the library to do it but somebody had an article about it it, it just had to be you know, 80 early 80s maybe um, maybe even late 70s. that if, if you got shot anywhere in the world it was an eighty percent chance it was an American bullet or something like that
4: yeah well, it ran country time it's was just a classic case yeah. I mean, and, and Iran was still our partner in that. Um, well, so that we could fund the, the conference against the Sandinistas in Nicaragua. When we built the Panama Canal, one of the things that was part of the, the, the price of doing that was to destabilize Colombia so that we could do the land grab in Panama. Well,
3: Dan Ennui so, said that uh, Iran Contra, when Reagan was president, he thought it was the biggest, biggest shot against the Constitution that any president ever did. Now, maybe, maybe there's worse since then, but. He thought that it was absolutely abysmal, abominable. And but then of course they were, nobody wanted to prosecute Dutch, right?
4: Well, the thing, the thing that really infuriated people and kind of shocked them at the time was the you know this is still with when the you know hostage situation in Iran was very close in people's memories. Oh yeah, and here we are trading this as if we're not doing it now. Tom. Of course we're doing it now. Well, we don't we don't want it known. We don't want people to admit in high places that they're benefiting from it. But of course we're doing it now. Okay.
3: Well, the, the, weird, the weird part about, and I you know, I, I understand why people are, are, are somewhat miffed that we gave all this cash to Iran, all right? But I think a lot of those people who feel that way, I mean, are, are really, really miffed. If you look at the whole story, you're probably not as miffed. I'm not saying that the timing was right or I would have done it the same way. But the fact is, it was their dough. And because they were, Iran was buying all kinds of stuff here that we were dying to sell them. F-14s, wasn't there even a, a destroyer in there or something? My fiery, fiery had the whole list because he was—he's from Iran and his dad was number two guy in the Air Force from the, under the Shah. He gave a whole list of all the stuff. Matter of fact, one of the F-14s made it to the port of Baltimore and it sat there for three years before the Air Force came and got it again uh, because it was supposed to be going to Iran and then the revolution was there and we never shipped them any of the stuff that they. It sent us, Us, they sent it to the uh, McDonnell Douglas, whoever made the F-14, all these people, whoever made the destroyer or frigate, whatever it was. And the, the money was here, and we impounded the dough and never sent them anything. Now, granted, the thems are different. These guys are surely not the Shah. So you could have made a case saying, hey, hey you're not getting this dough. Uh, but the fact is. Or,
4: or ask for much more in return. For yeah, or ask just, for you
3: know, more. It. But, I mean, the the, the, the the simple fact was it was the state of Iran's money that we never gave anything for, Right. I mean, I don't know whether it was handled properly is another issue, but you can't you can't say it was our dough. It wasn't. It was maybe we shouldn't no. have given it to them, but it wasn't ours. It was theirs.
4: Right, but we, but the way we we managed control of it is what I object to. I
3: I, I don't disagree. I just what well, my point is the the vernacular among a whole group of people here is we gave them tax mayor money. No, if you're going to criticize criticize properly, at least know the story, right? We we shouldn't make we should maybe have decided not to impound their money at that time for that reason, that would be the fair argument, correct?
4: Did we have to deliver it in Swiss pranks on ballots too?
3: No, we delivered it. Uh, we had, well, they're out, they're out of the uh, what's the system? The Swift system. They, the country can't cash a check, so you, you couldn't you couldn't send them a check because nobody would cash it. They're out of the Swift system. They're out of the international banking system. So. In order to give them money, you actually do have to give them cash or gold or something. So how, how screwy is that?
4: I mean, well, made it easy.
3: Well, yeah, I mean that's where. Well, then, well, then what do we do? That,
4: that could have been an opportunity to exercise political leverage, Tom. Which is, if you if you have that kind of power and Iran needs the money for whatever reason, and the, the ridiculous, you know, assumption that they weren't going to use it for terrorist purposes. If we, even if it were their money, if we had a geopolitical stake in the region that, that would have you know made it made sense for us not to encourage them to just go and spend this money on stuff that was going to come back and bite us in the behind. Um, we we made it as easy as possible for them to do whatever the hell they wanted. Well, how, do, how, do,
3: how do how do you think they feel? Not that I care. How do you think they feel about the fact that we deflated it forty percent in value in the last five years? <laughs>
4: <laughs> that's their problem. <laughs> that,
3: that's their problem. They they, they, they they can't be too happy if it's still wrapped up on the pallet. <laughs> God, John. They
4: should have come to their senses sooner. You
3: know? Well, now that the weather's <laughs> getting better, there's a chance they might see you.
4: Yeah, I, I, it's, I'm actually emerging. To, I'm going to go out and shovel a little bit. Oh, That's the first time I've stuck my nose out to take the garbage out in almost a week. All now, right, we'll, so.
3: we'll take care of yourself. SP Futures up 14. Nasdaq Futures up 125. So far, it looks like this uh, relief rail here is going to hold. Let's hope it does. Back tomorrow, Stocks and Jacks.
4: Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to ptisecurities.com. PTI Securities.com. PTI ProDirect Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTI Pro Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708-349-3456.